Welcome to the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa, where we discuss dating and other significant relationships. Welcome, Luz. How are you? Hi, I'm good. And you? I'm well. Thank you for joining us here at the uh, Relationship Cycle. And just to kind of introduce you, so Luz Velez, uh, who's a dear friend of mine, is a licensed clinical social worker, and we are very excited to have her on today because we are going to discuss mental health and relationships and how it affects people and everyone involved. Yes, thank you for the invitation. Uh, Luz, this is Nelson. I've been so excited um, since Jorge told us about, um, you know, we talked about who was going to be our guest. And um, we've been taking questions from our Facebook friends. And I'm telling you, um, there are some people out there who are really anxiously going to be awaiting this recording. So thank you so much for lending your um, expertise and helping us, um, you know, know how to help our partners and friends and other people that we're in relationship with who may be going through mental health concerns, especially as we get close to the holidays and, you know, people are, are, you know, just triggered or experiencing things, you know, from their past or even right now presently going through. So this is going to be a really important show, I think. Luce, so please tell us how exactly is it that you guys help people and what is kind of like your general, you know, layout and process as far as going about with doing so uh, with your methods? Okay, so um, so like you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And what we do is we provide therapy for people who desire some support. Um, everybody has different methods. Um, I am actually trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, in dialectical, dialectical behavioral therapy, um, EMDR, and brain spotting. Can you tell us a little bit about those, uh, Luz? Because I know, uh, Luz, I'm sorry, I want to make sure I say your name right. But um, I know I'm familiar with um, cognitive behavioral, which is like typical talk therapy, right? Yes. But what about the others? Because uh, there were several in there that I had not really heard of before. Yes. So cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT and DVT for short, um, those are um, regular talk therapy, right? It's just different methods to get to the message. Okay. Mm -hmm. And EMDR and brain spotting has taken a different approach and that's more of checking on your feelings, right? The idea comes from, the body keeps the score. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we are children or even before when we're fetuses, our bodies um, react to our environments. And when we don't process events, um, we might not remember it, but our bodies do remember. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then, so with EMDR and brain spotting, it actually uses the eyes or bilateral stimulation to help the body process it. So it's a lot less talk. <laughs> it's, not, it's no longer talk therapy. It's more mm-hmm. physical. It's more allowing your body to feel those sensations and let it process. You know, that is awesome. And the reason I think so is because I think so many people feel like they don't need to go to a therapist because they talk to friends and family. Um, 
you know, I let things out. I say what I need to say, but I tell clients I'm a um, certified Reiki master lose. And I tell people Mm -hmm. your body has memory in itself. Yes. Muscle memory, huh? Yes. Well, not just muscle Mm -hmm. memory, but cell memory where the actual Mm -hmm. cells of the body retain memory, just like our brains do. And so a lot of times what we don't remember in our mind, you know, it may be subconscious, but it's in our body. But can you tell me what does that look like though? Like what would you do with a person in, in helping them to physically remove trauma or, you know, ill, ill feelings or whatever. Mm -hmm. So let me start from the beginning, right? So how I like to explain it to my clients is when you go through different experiences, our brains kind of has a rope. I'm simplifying because I love simplifying stuff. I like that So I I like to think about it like our lifeline is a rope, right? And every time we have an experience that impacts us in any way, shape or form, it creates knots, right? So as we go on with our lives... We have little knots in our brains or in our um, in our being, right? Little knots, little knots. And then when we get older, we have an like we have a situation, and we're no longer using this rope as the end, right? We now are kind of tapping into those knots that we haven't even thought about. So we are no longer um, addressing or or for example something happens and people overreact right the reason that they overreact is not for what is happening right now it's for all those little knots that we have in the back of our heads does that make sense yes i like i like how you laid that out that really does kind of literally paint the picture mm-hmm. exactly so as we continue on with experiences and we have those knots those knots get reinforced 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 and now we're overreacting or we're feeling some type of way that doesn't any longer have to do with the now now we're more stuck in the past but we don't realize that right so when you go to therapy we try to fun we try to figure out where those knots are so for emdr we would do like a flow back um technique which will take you to okay this is the situation that you have now right for example in the morning I'm driving and the cars are really annoying me and I am very stressed because of the cars okay when have you felt like that before go back and see what other memory that taps into right so when you do that you start realizing like oh my god this opened this up and oh my god that opened that up right and then we try to see which one is your earliest memory which one is your earliest memory and which one is your um, the memory that kind of hurts or activates the most, right? Mm-hmm. And then we work on that. Um, what does it look like? Well, it's about bilateral stimulation. So if you're doing EMDR, you're focusing on the eye movement. So the idea comes from when you go to sleep, right? And you are in REM sleep, your eyes move back and forth really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Research shows that when that happens, you kind of are setting all the memories, all the experience kind of in, in, in a file. You're kind of processing all that that happened during the day, right? So some memories get, get mixed up or let, look at it as files, right? Some of those memories are not filed in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So when we do the EMDR, which is trying to imitate uh, REM sleep, then we focus on 
processing the file and putting it in order in our brains. Okay, so when they have done research, they have noticed that when you do that, the part of the brain that kind of taps into that trauma gets ignited and get processed. So now you have new connections in the brain that are appropriate. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yeah, I like it. Thank you so much, Luz, for that explanation. And that definitely mm-hmm. kind of gives some clarity to the methods that you guys use. Now, I want to go ahead and jump in into some of the discussion that we had with some of our listeners on Facebook. And they really, really had some interesting talking points and questions that I want to focus on so that we can kind of get started and kind of get deeper into this. So uh, one of the questions that I really want to emphasize is how do we recognize the signs that a relationship in itself may not be good for our mental health from your perspective as a professional? Okay. So some signs, Oh, good question. (laughs) Some signs is dissatisfaction. Okay. If you're not feeling, um, if you're feeling uncomfortable, okay, if it's something that is ongoing that keeps making you uncomfortable, that's something that you need to look into, okay? Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, yeah. Exactly. So when do you know that this is affecting you is when you're at work and you're no longer present at work, when you are no longer present in whatever you're doing in your day-to-day situation because you're more concerned on um, on your relationship. That's when, when you start realizing this is affecting me. I can no longer be present because I am bothered by the relationship. That's affecting your mental health. And I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, don't have good communication when it comes to dating and relationships. So they usually withhold or suppress some of these feelings and they bottle it up. And the thing about bottling it up is that um, you're holding all that stuff in. And then when you do have an argument or a disagreement, people blow up. And sometimes those blow ups don't look so good. Yes. So that's right. When you're not addressing the problem, you kind of are, you know, creating more knots, creating more knots, creating more knots. And then eventually something that's very little can blow up because it's no longer about what happened. It's about all those little knots that have been created over the time, over time. Mm. Well, let me get this in in conjunction with uh, Jorge's question. If if that's from your perspective, like how somebody is making you feel, like what are, what are, you know, I hate to use red flags, but it's such a commonplace term now. But what are signs that the person you're interested in may have issues that you might not want to yoke yourself with, you know? So you cut off for a little bit. So can you just repeat the question again, please? Uh, I'm sorry. How can you tell that the person you're interested in may have issues that you don't, you know, you may not really need to be involved with them because of, like you said, you know, being uncomfortable inside yourself is one sign, but how can I look and see, or what are questions I should ask that would tip me off to the fact that this person may not, they may not be healthy enough to be in a relationship. So 
if you're comfortable having a conversation with them and and being honest, you could talk about the ACEs. Have you heard of the ACEs? Mm-hmm. Adverse childhood experiences. So that's a really good um, starter on mental health, right? Do you know about your ACEs or, you know, can we talk about it a little bit? Because that's going to determine, that's going to show you a little bit of how, um, you know, the experiences that they have, how open they're willing to talk about that. Okay. And also how much support have they gotten? Right. Mm. Because we all have experience. We all have had negative experience, right? How much did it affect us? And did we get support? How did you overcome that? Right. So, uh, go ahead. Luce, I wanted to, to kind of piggyback off that conversation point that you uh, just touched. What, in your opinion, um, what is a good approach or what is a good technique or techniques as far as helping a partner overcome trauma or mental health il- illness situations? Okay. So to help a partner, you need to get educated. You need to have um, find cycle education, learn about whatever it is that it's going on and learn about your partner, what they need during that time. For example, because, okay, so DSM, which is the um, diagnosis manual that we use, there's over 150 diagnoses, okay? Wow. I bet if I ask a normal person, how many can you name? It's probably going to be a handful. Right. Ten. Right. But there's 150. So there's a lot of other um, diagnoses that we have no idea about. Those the normal person, the common person doesn't know about. So if that person knows uh, what's going on and they feel comfortable talking about it, start researching. Okay, start researching about whatever it is that your partner has. And then that way you're going to be able to understand what it is that's going on. With that also comes your partner's needs to learn to communicate or it needs to communicate with with you, his or her needs. Because let's say two people who have um, depression, which is the most common, they might need two different things. Hmm. Very, very good. I like how you structured that. And you know, it all, we in this, uh, since we've been doing the podcast, we are big on emphasizing communication, uh, you know, opening lines of communication, obviously. And this sounds like this just kind of ties in where you have to vocally express yourself and also lay out, you know, to your partner uh, what you experience and what you go through so that they can support you better and understand you more. Yes, exactly. So do your own research, but don't just base everything on your own research because everybody is a different world. Everybody has different experiences, so everybody's going to react different. So you do have to have a lot of communication. Um, Another uh, topic that was uh, discussed, uh, you know, when we we, um, reached out to our listeners was how does narcissism impact an individual narcissism so that's a that's an interesting topic because when you're in a relationship with a person that has narcissistic traits um it's like slowly boiling water 
It's Ooh. not, you don't jump into a boiling water. It's something that <laughs> it slowly, the heat slowly rises. Okay. Uh-huh. So when you find yourself that it's boiling now, right? It has damaged, it has caused a lot of damage. For example, um, isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Self esteem. Um, the the ability to make decisions because your self-esteem is so low, okay? So the partner that is in the receiving end of narciss- of a narcissist or narcissistic trait, um, just because it's so slow and steady, it kind of starts debilitating, okay? Wow. Debilitating you. So my recommendation is if you have found yourself in those relationships, find support for yourself as well find therapeutic support because your your system has been slowly been debilitating now so you want to chime in on that that's very very impactful i I like how you express that and compare that because oftentimes uh, you know when it comes to dating um i hear a lot of women that will say oh, I just met this guy and, you know, he's, you know, buying me this and trying to take he's me. He's great. He's perfect. To, he's love bombing. That, that's love bombing mm-hmm. is what it's called. And I and I, I always tell my friends or just, you know, whenever I'm having casual conversation, be careful, slow down, <laughs> because that love bombing can get you in trouble because that's usually how a lot of these guys operate where, they will love bomb you. And then once they kind of feel that they almost have their hooks in you, mm-hmm. then that's when that love bombing starts to kind of dwindle or disappear. And then you start to see other sides and other characteristics that maybe have been suppressed or maybe that they are trying to hide. Yes. So what I would say is if you are, if you have knowledge of narcissism, it's something that is being mentioned a lot. So hopefully more females or more people, not just females, but more people start to have knowledge about it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to educate ourselves on all this kind of different diagnosis, right? Because if you can see that somebody's love is love bombing you and you know that that is kind of like a, a stage, you're going to be more careful than if you don't know. If you don't know about narcissism and those common traits, then you're going to love it. You're right. going to enjoy it because it's wonderful. Yeah, I feel like you're in a fairy tale, but, you know, when you come it, out of the clouds, it's <laughs> a nightmare. Yeah. So, but if you're already aware, if you already have that knowledge and you meet this person who's love bombing you, now you can call it what it is and you can be like, oh, this is not normal. This is not okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And then if you're more aware when when the change happens then you're like oh, okay now we're in stage two and you can you know have more awareness of it absolutely um for me um just personally i've experienced quite a bit of grief in the last couple of weeks um and friends who have experienced it as well how how can you really support a partner particularly i think at the beginning stages of a relationship as well as, you know, later on. But I think, you know, if you just met someone and things were going well, um, but then, you know, tragedy strikes people. Um, But you don't necessarily know um, someone 
as well as maybe you would if you'd been together 20 years, let's say. Um, what are some of the best ways to to be supportive, to be there for someone, to to offer support during grief? And and what do you think someone who is grieving should do? Especially, I, I can remember um, I was still married at the time when my dad died, and I was just in a numb place. I was in a really foggy, lost place. And so I didn't really know what to ask for. I didn't know what to do. I I, I was really just wandering out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, so I guess those two things, how can I help someone, especially in the beginning of a relationship? But then how do I, as a grieving person, know what to ask for? What What sort of things should I ask for from my partners or friends? So I think the best way, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Um, the best thing that you can do for somebody who's going through a difficult time is just be there. Just listen. Don't try to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Listen to what they're saying. And even if they don't want to say anything, being there feels it's the best thing that you can do. So basically just showing your loyalty so, and support, so to speak. Your support, yes. So if the person wants to cry, if the person wants to scream, if the person wants to curse, be there without judgment, without expectations, and just um, just offer that support. I'm here. I'm here. And without offering advice. Now, let's get over it. It'll be all right in a little while. Let none the of that. Deal with it. You know, and and not to make fun of anybody who's trying to help, but oftentimes cliches only make the person shut down. Yes. Uh, in my own personal experience, anyway. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I don't know where this, uh, my condolences, but to me, <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't ever want to hear that. Um, but just being there for that person um, to hold a hand, to ha- be a shoulder to cry, um, or sometimes to give space. You know, sometimes somebody doesn't want company, and that's okay. Just come back and be, and let them know when you're ready for company. I'm here for you. Nice, I like that. So basically, bottom line is showing that you care and showing that you are there for them. And some of them might take you up on that. And some of them might be like, Hey, you know what? Right now is not a good time, but you know, when I get through this or when I get better or when I'm done coping with, you know, this uh, emotional distress, then we'll get together or we'll do or whatnot, you know, we'll get together or whatnot. But without the expectation of somebody having to say all that, because if I am grieving, I don't have the mind to say <laughs> later on, I'll be in a better time. Da, 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 da. Mm, I probably won't say that. Probably what I say is I just want to be alone. Right, right. Don't take it personal. It is not about you. It's about the grieving that the person is, is going through. And right now what they need is, is space. Is to be alone with their feelings, right? Now, if you are lucky to have somebody that can verbalize, I, I, right now, I don't need company when I'm in a better place, then, then good. But if you're not and somebody just says, I just want to be left alone, they just want to be left alone. They're going through a hard time. 
Right. And everybody does process differently. Mm -hmm. Just like love languages, grief has many Mm -hmm. languages as well, I think. So um, thank you for for just some practical advice. Yeah. One thing I do want to say about grief mm -hmm. um, that not a lot of people know is if somebody's working on themselves and grief kicks in, like something unexpected happens, um, the people have the tendency to digress. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we don't know that as a partner, it could be very frustrating to see so much improvement go to waste. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's so a good point. Everybody, please be mindful that if your partner is going through through something grief, especially if it's something uh, unexpected and they digress, it's part of the process. So it's normal and natural, basically, you're saying? Yes, it's very normal for if the, if the person, let's say you're in a couple and you've been going to couples counseling and there has been really good... Um, really good progression or even individual counseling and they're doing really good and then something happens and they're dealing with grief digression is part of is part of this of of the process loose let me ask you something so let's say i don't know let's say i you know i, I meet um a woman and you know it's early on maybe it's only been a few dates and we really enjoyed our company and we want to spend more time together and then tragedy happens. And then obviously this version that I'm going to see of her is, is completely different from maybe the version that I had seen the first few dates. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be uh, some techniques or, or some advice that you would share for somebody who is maybe on the, on the other side, right? Like, Hey, I want to get to know this person. And I don't want to just walk away from them. But I also understand that, hey, right now is not good timing. And right now is not a good time to try to be like, hey, want to go out and get drinks and go ice skating or whatever, because they're not in the right frame to be thinking or or wanting any of that. So Mm -hmm. what would be a a good way to maneuver to something like that? Be a good friend Mm. or be a friend. Um. If that person is not ready because of X or Y reason for a relationship and you still want that person around, they might be ready in six months. They might be ready in in three months, six months, one year, you know. Um, But if you're really interested in that person, um, just be patient and understanding. Mm, If that's something that you want, if it's something like, no, I'm ready to be in a relationship right now, then... This is not the person because right now this person is not ready for to give that energy because a relationship takes a lot of energy. And if you're going through grieving, if you're going through something unexpected, energy has just shifted. All right. Focus and everything. Exactly. So that person might not be able to give it to you right now, maybe in three months, maybe in six months. You need to determine whether you're able to wait and able to be supportive. Mm. I like I like how you frame that. That's pretty solid. Very, Very good. I love it. Um, another thing that we wanted to kind of touch on that um, created a buzz here when we uh, rolled out um, the pre-discussion of this show is mm-hmm. how does family trauma affect an individual 
as it relates to their own romantic relationships, like the trickle down effect, of course. Yes, very, very, very deeply. <laughs> um, so we are creatures of habits and we are creatures of um, we do what we know. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we are in a family dynamic that is dysfunctional, as we grow, if we don't have other um, role models or if we don't know anything else but dysfunction in our family, we're going to go, I don't want to say search, but that's what we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Even so, create those circumstances, right? If exactly. <laughs> yes, because you don't know better. You don't know what functional relationship looks like. So the only way that you're going to find out is if you have somebody showing you or if you yourself research. If you yourself want to change those patterns, it's going to be hard because now you have to make an effort. Now you have to make a conscious effort of what I know does not work. So I need to do something different right now. And we all know how hard it is to change. Mm. But if we make that decision like, oh, we're, we're going to change, we're going to work, we're going to get therapy, we're going to get support. Um, it can happen, but you need to be aware of it first, because like I said, we do what we know. Yeah, that's so true. And family traditions are among some of the deepest ingrained because, you know, you're in those traditions in vitro. Generational right? trauma. Yeah. Yep. I mean, your mom passed it through the birth cord and, <clears throat> you know, all that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I've never said this on a show before. Uh, lose, but I think knowing your ACEs score, uh, yes. first childhood experience score, and getting into therapy when you see that you've got one or more markers for it, especially depending on what the one is, you know, it, if it's a pretty devastating one, I'm just like, we really could save ourselves all a lot of wasted time and search effort by making sure we've done our own personal inventory and I know having gone to therapy um, myself how helpful that was and just seeing my own patterns mm -hmm. and how I was seeking people out who fit a certain mode of you know what I've seen in my family what I've experienced you know in my past relationships and how often we repeat those things unknowingly like yes some stuff is so subconscious and we're we're reacting as opposed to being proactive and really responding with the right from the right place like you said with those knots you know what came to mm -hmm. my mind you know like a little gold link uh mm -hmm. the really teeny tiny links or silver or whatever but when you get a necklace knotted it is like one of the absolute worst things to I've thrown jewelry away because <laughs> and that's all I can think about with this and, and wondering why we don't match well with people we match with after a while, <laughs> you know, it's like a three or four month honeymoon phase. And then you start really getting to reveal yourselves. And then it's almost like, like uh, Jorge says, you're like, who is this person? You know, I, I met this one, but then this terrible thing happened or now they've been, you know, they're lighting up those knots with mm -hmm. whatever they're experiencing in the relationship now. And you meet like 
you know, Dr. Frankenstein's monster. And it's like, what, <laughs> what happened? I just fell down a rabbit hole and I don't know where I am. But um, just how simple you've put these things tonight, um, I think hopefully will help a lot of our listeners decide for themselves, you know, number one, because it's not always the other person. Um, no. I've had to really look at myself and take accountability for the the hurt places and the unhealed places that caused me to be in certain relationships first of all that weren't necessarily good for me but you know really looking at yourself before dating and deciding have I healed from these things before I go walking into somebody else's life and I think that's really probably the most important question you could ask yourself tonight for those of you who may be out there you know, wondering about whether I'm ready to get back in it or not. And are you willing to do the work? Because it's not easy un- untangling those knots. You know, I always need to get like a little straight pin and try to like, like I'm crocheting or something, trying to get through those knots. But, you know, that takes a lot of work. So I do want to put something out here. Um, since, you know, this is such a, a very delicate conversation. Um Mental health is is a very serious matter, and it's definitely something that we all have to be mindful of with the people that, you know, we come across and the people that we care about or, you know, our partners or partner. Um, But also, the important thing is there's a lot of people who maybe feel that they're not right or they're not in a good mental space or mental health uh, status, but they don't want to get the help. And me personally, if I run into, you know, a woman that attracts me, right. And having mental health issues, isn't a, a, a deal breaker for me, but if you're not getting help or you're not on the right track to work on that, that to me would be a big turnoff in my opinion. Because then at that point, if you're not trying to help yourself, how am I going to help you? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because codependency yes. is not a relationship that you need to check with yourself with. Uh-huh. And I've, you know, I've dated, I've dated women with mental health issues, but you know, they they have a a process in place. They have medication. They do things that you know strengthens their mental health status. They go to therapy. You know, they do different things to keep everything you know strong and sturdy but i've also come across people who know that they have mental health issues or depression or whatnot but they don't do anything to try to make the situation better or healthier yes so you touched on 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 what it is if you find yourself in need of support get it Get um, professional support because a friend is good, but a friend is not going to know what to say or they're going to have the best intentions, but it might not be what you need. Right. And the other thing is for those people who have mental health, but they're not aware, what I would recommend is check if you're overreacting, right? If you're in a situation and you find that you're overreacting, that's a knot that's lighted up. Mm, interesting. And same thing, if you're dating someone and you're new, this is, this is the key. Um, this is your first time. 
and that person overreacts, know that those are knots that are lighting up. What about lack of emotion? Um, you know, I, I've been with people who were not emotionally available uh, before, and I've had friends who were. So how, you know, there's the overreactor, and then there's the non-reactor as well. Would you consider that maybe even a sign? Mm. Can you give me an example? Because like, I'm, I'm thinking so many things. So what exactly? I know, right. There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> give me an example, please. You know, there's some people who um, have had some sort of traumatic experience or whatever, but they act like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm okay. I've even done that. You know, like, you're just going to push through and act like nothing happened. Uh, you don't talk about it to anybody. You don't express your feelings toward it. You don't communicate around it. You know, you just, like, it never happened for a lot of people. And, it, of course, there's the eventual explosion. Mm-hmm. But in So my that's mind, the not, that's yeah, the you know not that's exploding. Yeah. But they, they don't yeah. say anything for a while before the explosion occurs. So, you know, you know something can't be right because most people would, would not take, you know, whatever suffering or issue or what have you mm-hmm. um, and not feel something. But the person who says that or, you know, who shows up like they're unaffected, to me, I get a little trouble, you know, that, that troubles mm-hmm. me a little bit because I'm like, oh, the other shoe is going to drop eventually and what's it Mm going to be you know when it does so that's a defense mechanism right and defense mechanisms are there to help you the problem is that we overuse them and we only use like certain we have there's a range of defense mechanisms right Mm -hmm. and sometimes we only work with one defense mechanism right so in this one it would be kind of it sounds like avoidance right I don't want to talk about it it didn't happen if I don't think about it, I don't feel it, and therefore I can move on with my life, right? That's okay sometimes, but all the times, it will eventually get toxic. It will eventually crumble down, and that's when you have your explosion. Wow. Okay? But, hold on, so this is why I had to think about it, because then there are those people who, they they process things, but not verbally, right? So let's say they go to the gym, and they um, and they take all that, all those feelings and they process it in the gym. So that's a different situation, right? right? It's not, I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid it. It's more, okay, I'm going to concentrate it only for those two hours that I'm going to work through it while I'm at the gym. Totally different. Totally, totally different, different situation, but it can manifest the same way, which is they're not talking to you about it. I would say though that the person that does go to the gym and like kind of kind of works it at the gym will the day will be different for that person versus the one that's bottling it all up. Right. Okay. So eventually if you don't have good coping mechanisms, it will catch up to you. I really like how you laid everything out and explained it in pretty simple terms. I mean, I definitely feel smarter after talking to you about this stuff. So I greatly appreciate you joining us. Um, Do you have a website or do you have uh, a company name or something that you would like to share so that we can, you know, share this with our listeners? Because we may have some people who might be interested in your services. <laughs> I am on headway.co. So if you go to headway.co, not com, co, C O, um, you can look for me. Like you said, my name is Luz Vela. So you can definitely look for me there. 
And you can even set up an appointment there. Or you can call me at, can I give my number? Yeah, yeah, your work number, absolutely. Okay, 980-222-1402. And headway.co is how to contact you. Yes, so you go there and you say find a therapist and you can put my name and you can set an appointment there. Awesome. Great, 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 rich conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Nelson, you got anything else to add? No, this was fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for your input on the show tonight. Um, hopefully this will help whoever's out there in need. We appreciate you so much. And we will definitely have to have a part me. two. We'll definitely have to have a part two at some point because I'm sure this is something that's got a lot of branches that we can touch uh, when it comes to mental health and all that good stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Have a great night. And thank you for joining us at the uh, Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Buenas noches. Thanks for joining us today on the Relationship Cycle with Jorge and Nelsa. Do you have show ideas? Email us at jorgeandnelsa at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify or anchor.fm for more great shows.